0: Welcome to One Dive at a Time, the official podcast of Neptune Warrior, healing heroes one dive at a time. Hey, yeah, I thought for this episode, I would actually bring in our badass scuba divers. If this is something that you're not familiar with, this is something that we do within Neptune, If you think of the Master Scuba Diver program, then if you go out to neptunewarrior.org and look at the Master Scuba Diver program out there, which is like Master Scuba Diver on steroids, and then you amp it up even more from there. The program basically starts out, now you can come into it as an advanced diver, but you do have to have your Master Scuba Diver, or you actually earn your Master Scuba Diver as you walk through it. But the prerequisites, even to get in, minimum 25 dives. You also have to have rescue, there's several academic requirements that go along with it, and then just a ton of dives, doing search and recovery dives, navigation dives, night dives, air consumption, experimental dives, underwater mapping, deep dives, and then a whole host of elective specialties. Now, for the master scuba diver, you have to get at least six of those in, and for the master scuba diver, you just keep diving until we tell you to stop. And there's quite a few projects that are associated with that, as well as uh, making, uh, you, know, you know, continuing to make improvements, pool skills, and, and things like that. Tonight with me, I actually have all four divers that have earned the Badass Diver tab. It's a tab that we place on our jackets. Um, it, and I, this will probably be the only time we ever have all Badass Divers together, in one place as this thing begins to grow. So I've got Sarah, who is a brand-new dive master. And I've got John, who is a a fairly new, newly minted instructor. Been, I guess, about Uh, a year now. Been
1: a year and a half. Okay, that's
0: still newly minted. (laughs) And I've got Ryan, who just earned his Master Scuba Diver and then was able to wrap up his, his Badass Diver Award. So, guys, welcome. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks.
0: So let me ask you, what... Why did you go for the badass scuba diver award? What what was what was uh, the reasoning behind it, or what kind of motivated you?
3: Just an award within Neptune that, that very very few people will ever achieve. More than anything,
0: what, why do you think very few will achieve it?
3: With the complexity of the program and the curriculum that you put together. Uh, not everybody who comes into SKU, but I believe has that kind of drive to accomplish everything that you put together uh, to achieve everything to, ac- to receive the badass diver tab. Very cool.
1: Yeah, it's not really something you can just happen into. It's something that you have to look at the list and decide, yeah, this is what I'm going for because otherwise you just won't have enough focus to do it. Right.
0: Right.
2: I think for me it was a combination of a couple things. Um, one was competition. Both John and Rob already had it, so I figured, why not? And well, Rob
3: got it because he created the program. He gave it to himself, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but I did everything on the program, the, uh, with the exception oh. of, the, of the ice diving, which I won't do. But.
2: Uh, but the other aspect of it was I just wanted to become a more confident diver. Uh, not only for myself, but to help out students um, while helping in classes. Um, if you've got three or four students and the instructor's off doing something else at the surface, or if they're down and something goes wrong, you want to be comfortable in the water, be able to make good decisions, and kind of have that air of confidence so that if there's somebody's nervous, you'll be there to... Kind of help calm them down, right?
0: it, and it's, it takes you way past the, the the rescue diver, which is normally seen as someone who can who's competent. But mm-hmm. you mentioned confidence. It's been fun watching your confidence grow because I remember somebody who didn't even want to snorkel at one point, and then she became a she became a scuba diver. then got her advanced, and then said, I don't ever want to be a training assistant. And now you're a dive master and yep. You're getting really good reviews from the instructor you're working for, as well as your students. Mm-hmm. So, what about it has helped create the confidence?
2: Um, one thing in particular that I that comes to mind is one of the one of the items that was on the the list for the badass diver, um, which was long distance night navigation. Um, for those that may not know. Um, Quinn's Pond is like diving in chocolate milk. On a good day. <laughs> On a good day. <laughs> and even in the middle of the day, if you go down to 20, 25 feet, it becomes essentially a night dive. And you kick, kick the bottom up one too many times and you're in no visibility. And so my uh, my instructor decided to have me do my long distance night nav In those kind of conditions (laughs) and it's like okay i'm i was a little nervous to begin with and then i thought you know what i've done a lot of compass work as long as i trust the compass i'll be fine i know how to do this right and so he he says all right i want you to hit this aerator halfway across and then hit this rock rock bed on the other side and it's probably what 300 yards
1: it's probably more than that
2: that. and so we get down and of course we're shoulder to shoulder because we can't see anything else and I've got my compass out in front of me and I feel like I'm going in circles the numbers don't aren't don't tell me that I'm going in circles but I feel like I'm just spinning around in one spot and I signal to my instructor and I say hey let's go up, I think I'm going in circles. And he's like, no, no, let's stay. I said, no, I'm going in circles, we're going up, I need to check. (laughs) And got up to the surface and sure enough, he was right, which I'm sure he loved to know, (laughs) loved to be able to say. Oh yes.
0: (laughs) John likes knowing he's right.
2: Yes. (laughs) The best part
1: was we were like 15 feet from that aerator that I said we needed to go over. Yes. Nice.
2: And so we hit, we hit the aerator, hit the, the rock bed, and um, I finished up my master diver that evening. And I thought, you know what? If I can do this with a compass all the way across Quinn's Pond, I can go take students out on tours. Excellent. That should be pretty easy.
0: Excellent. Well done. Well done. John, what has the program been like for you? I mean, because so by the way, all three of these divers, I started them out, which has been fun. It's been and each one has had a different journey, as as they've been growing. So, John, what was it like for, you know, for you going through the master scuba diver?
1: Um. Well, I think I was the first one to go through master with Neptune Warrior, so um, was a little bit of a trailblazing kind of a thing because there wasn't anybody that had done it before, so nobody to look at and say this is this is what you do. Um, and so we just kind of figured it out and worked through it. Um, I think the most interesting thing to me is that I still learn as I watch people like Sarah go through it. Right. And as I walk them through the navigation or the complexities of the math or whatever it is, I still learn stuff watching them do it. And, learn, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, this is how you can do it better for next time. So it's, it's, a big step on a journey but it also sets you up for learning uh, even even further
0: yeah yeah well, how's that uh, how's that transition into instructing
1: um, again back with uh, what Sarah said about being a dive master the level of confidence that you have being able to deal with uh, garbage situations makes it uh, makes it significantly easier to be an instructor because you've dealt with some fairly lousy situations, um, as part of doing all of this stuff. Um, you know, whether it's having your gear ripped off of you or jettisoning it in the pool or, you know, going and finding stuff in a lake or searching for golf balls that we happen to hit across the water, whatever it is, it makes it easier when you have students in the water who are generally relatively well-behaved after, uh, after some of the stuff we've been through.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I see Ryan laughing about the golf balls. <laughs> on, on another podcast that I just <clears throat> dropped, we uh, Brooks was talking about knocking the golf balls and almost hitting the drop guys. Yeah. So, that's, so, Ryan, what has the journey been like for you?
3: um it, It's been really educational, and like Sarah was saying, you know, Quinn's pond can be pretty uh, inhospitable at times, and her talking about going in circles. My first time diving with John as a dive master for my navigation dives, I quite literally was going in circles. Um, and you know, three three years later, uh, you know, I swam. What was that before five hundred yards across Turner Gulch and back?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the swim Without
3: without pretty, without yeah. much um, issue, and even some of the I've even done some longer distance nav dives uh, over in Yellowstone and the you know and some of the international stuff I've done. I wouldn't have had the confidence I do if I hadn't been going through your program.
0: What, uh, and, I, and I remember that we had to modify yours from being the Quinn swim into the Turner Gulch swim, which I think
3: was even further distance yeah, wise further. Yeah. than than uh, than Turner, than uh, Quins.
0: Right, <laughs> but but that gave you confidence for absolutely. Got okay. it. So you know, like I said, the prerequisites are twenty-five dives, and then you come in with the minimum of an advanced diver. To work towards, to work towards the uh, the master scuba diver and then the badass diver. What what was the most eye opening experience? As you know, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, as you look at the list of all the of everything that was was on there. Like,
3: what was the most daunting?
0: Yeah.
3: <sighs> Probably the night nav long distance. Um, Hadn't done a whole lot before, even a year, year and a half ago, with with night diving, except for, you know, the occasional night dive we have done down at Wendover. Um, but just getting in the water when you literally cannot see where you're going, more than ten feet in front of you, you have, like Sarah was saying, you have to trust your equipment. Um, I think that was the most daunting. But once I was done and over with, it was, you know, looking back, it's you're you're nervous for nothing. It was incredibly easy.
0: Right. So there's, even though it says 10 to 16 hours of in-class activities, that's really a lot of mentoring and and coaching. And, you know, of course, there's a difference between the two, but there's probably more coaching that takes place in this program than anything else. What were some of the coaching experiences that each one of you experienced uh, as you're going through
3: a lot of the stuff that we had earlier this summer especially with everybody who's going through your master diver program you know a lot of the mentoring and coaching we had physically on-site with diving incorporated um what you know everybody has different learning techniques whether it's you know learning out of a book or learning by doing and you really incorporated a little bit of both of that um both with your um you know coaching sessions out out back and then again out at the lakes when we're doing our you know, our exercises and our our experiments, um, so it's there's just different all around. But again, a phenomenal learning experience.
0: Talk about a, a lot about the the academic part. Sarah, I know, turned in probably one of the one of the, the best reports we've seen. What was the so the uh, I'm trying to remember the books that we've got. I know we've got Blue Mind listed.
3: Uh, Scooby Confidential was one of them. That was a really dry book, but. <laughs> A phenomenal read.
0: <laughs> Sorry to, to go ahead. <laughs> yeah. so Sarah Pr- or uh, Simon Pridmore actually puts together a really comprehensive list of, of what screwdrivers should know. Uh, it, you know, it, and it's it's a shame that more more dive agencies or more dive instructors aren't following those guidelines. Sarah, what was some of the stuff? Yeah. that...
2: I was going to say I think I've listened to every book that Pridmore has put out. So uh, fortunately, it was just listening rather than sitting down and reading yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'd say out of the, out of the academic uh, reading, the the book that kind of opened my eyes the most was, uh, well, there were two, actually. Uh, one was called Close Calls by Stratus Koss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's essentially a compilation of stories where divers explain what their close call was, whether it's getting stuck in a cave system or... Uh, not, main- not maintaining their rebreather correctly or just forgetting to turn their air on. Um, it it really made me think about what actually goes into a dive and how to stay safe. Um, and then the other book uh, was called Under Pressure by... Gareth Locke. Gareth Lock, right, and that kind of opened my eyes to more of the the human factors side of diving, where it's it's more than just get your gear on, get hit the water and start blowing bubbles. There's there's more of an like in in Neptune we have this community where we we've built it in a way to. Or that, that it allows for people to feel safe explaining um, their close calls. Right. It's not it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, where in a situ- in a in a community where that isn't safe, then that just leads to more and more issues and ac- potential accidents.
1: Yeah, places where people will choose to not speak up because they don't want to be ridiculed, and so nobody will learn from it, and somebody else will repeat the same mistake.
0: Right. That's one of the interesting dynamics that I'm really happy that hasn't happened because we, if you think about the people that normally comprise in Neptune, very much a lot of bravado. But I think, at least from the military side, you have a lot of, with after-action reports. And then I also think that we've got just a good set of divers that have learned that it's okay to talk about when, when things don't go right. John, I know you're really big in academics, uh, you know, very very cerebral on your, on your dives, what were some of the things that you learned academically, whether through the, the reading assignments or or anything else?
1: Well, I think one of the <clears throat> really interesting things that uh, has happened over the last couple of years, um, Sarah and I had the opportunity to attend the Human Factors in Diving conference that Gareth Locke put on. And one of the things that uh, we heard during that was Um, when something goes wrong what will keep you uh, from dying and is that enough and if you could ask those questions to yourself and answer them honestly you can figure out what kind of safety systems you have in place and if they're enough to protect you in the event of things going wrong and so we have to have a a good approach to understanding that people who have significantly more experience than we do will screw up and will occasionally kill themselves. If it can happen to them, it can happen to us. And so we have to build enough safety into the way that we do things that we will survive should something bad happen. And none of us want something bad to happen. But the fact of the matter is we don't control the world and since we don't control everything occasionally something will happen whether it be a hose that bursts or an o-ring or you lose a mask or a turtle hits you or whatever it is. Any one of those things can knock you off your game and it's only the learning and preparation and all of the rest that you have built into yourself that uh, allows you to process your way through the situation. The things that kill you aren't usually the one-off thing that happens. Usually you have something happen and then it escalates when you try to respond and then it escalates further when you respond. And so then you're stuck in an accident pit and eventually, yes, that can kill you. And so you have to learn to be able to step back outside of yourself when something happens and process your way through, okay, now what am I gonna do next? Right. And those are the things that'll then keep you safe. <clears throat> And you were talking about the mentoring and uh, Sarah and I, Sarah's uh, dive master in training, had the opportunity to go to a bunch of classes with me. So we had probably 50, 60 hours of conversations either driving down to Wendover or back or at the dive site after dives when random things would happen to our, our students. And you end up learning a lot out of just talking through what in the world happened to them, what were we thinking, how did this work, what happened when we got separated, couldn't find somebody, couldn't find uh, what we were doing, et cetera. So you learn a lot just by talking with other people who have similar experience or different experience or whatever it is. Right,
0: which then allows you to take that experience and fly to the next. Situation you mentioned Wendover and the accident pit. I remember a night
2: mm-hmm. we were gonna do a night dive. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking the same night. We'll
0: t- talk about that a little bit
2: I know it was my it was my first trip down to Wendover and It's February. It's cold and I've got only two three millimeter suits. So it was it was just <laughs> not starting It was not starting out great um, The day dives were fine. We're fine uh, But then we decided hey, let's let's do a night dive <coughs> I think I had only done a night dive in Queen's Pond, so I was super excited about the fact that I could do a night dive, someplace that, that I could night. actually see. And so we get out to the dive site. It's blustery. It's cold. I get all my gear put together, and I turn on the air, and my regulator starts free flowing. I think, oh crap! There goes the dive. I'm not. I'm evidently sitting out. My regulator's frozen. And to be honest, I was pretty pissed. Like, I, I'm coming all the way out here and freezing, and I can't even get in the water. This stinks. And then I get my gear all disassembled, grumbling the entire time. And I look over, and sure enough, Ryan turns on his air, and his regulator starts free-flowing. But then he decides, I, I can just dive on one rig. I don't need a backup. <laughs>
0: Okay, so now we're starting to go into not so <laughs> what, smart decisions.
2: But this is the, pr- the the processes to where where it was going. And I would not recommend diving on just one rig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but then that so that was that was the second step. The third step, we had a, another diver whose weight pocket ripped. Right. And so John went over to start sewing that up got it sewed up and i think he realized that the weight wouldn't fit in the pocket after that and so that was the third thing and then i think you rob were willing to give up your bc to trade or something
0: yeah i think about that point when i called john over and we had a discussion about hey you know this is three things we've always talked about the rule of threes yeah by the way all of these on their own are correctable Mm-hmm. once we hit the water chances of the, of the and the reason why they are freezing is because we're in
3: freezing we're in sub
0: freezing weather the weight pocket all right we pull a weight belt out or something right all of those by themselves are fixable but now we've got three different things that have happened as we're trying to get in the water that also takes a drain on your mental capacity yeah and now you're starting to rush and now you start to miss things and like and, I said, you know, and as
2: it it starts to it starts to trend and if you don't control that or put the brakes on it that trend can get out of control mm-hmm.
0: right it's always better to be up on the surface wishing you were diving than diving wishing you were back up on the surface
1: mm-hmm. and you have to think about it's your safety systems right i can dive with only one uh regulator but If there's a problem, I need a spare, and I wouldn't have it. Or if I've changed my BC around and my pocket is sewn in, now I can't drop that pocket. And so bit by bit, you chip away at your safety, and then at some point, something can happen, and you don't have the capacity to react well anymore.
0: And and it's not just your safety, it's also your buddy's safety that is also in jeopardy
1: because you're a team, you all work as a team. And if you lose one of the members of the team, it's not like throwing away a Coke can.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) One of the things I've learned through this as I've watched all of you go through it is that really earning this tab, I think accentuates your ability to lead or to be a leader on a dive site. You're starting to make more leadership type decisions. You've got that confidence, you've got the book knowledge. And then there's this other thing that we do with projects. So, you know, there's, there's quite a few projects, everything from, you know, learning how to glue a patch on or glue a pocket on, which that translates back into, you know, other things that you might, that you might have to do. Making lanyards for lights, making buddy lines, um, building out your SMB and finger scent reel. But then there's all these other electives, like everything from make a lift bag to building a wrench shower. Uh, making your own dive float and flag set. What were some of the projects that you guys did?
1: Well, let's see. I think I built a rinse shower. I've built several diving racks, made a pony bottle holder. Uh, I think I did a safe, uh, a soft weight set. Um, I don't recall making a dive float. Um, built a ton and a half of games for Neptune Warrior. Um, put together an anchor bag at one point, um, several scuba tank holders, hang bars. The hang bar was really cool. The hang it worked bar was really cool. well and right. it still gets drug out today and it fits nicely in the back of the truck and it's great for students. Um, plus, you know, who knows what else? I mean, it, it just cascades after a while you, you get to where doing projects is kind of fun. And so you think, well, hey, what am I gonna do next? I've got a weekend, I should go do something.
3: Right. And at that point, you're really making your gear your own versus Mm -hmm. just buying something off the shelf. Mm -hmm. It's,
0: uh, I, I can always tell the difference between our master scuba divers because they come out, their lights have got certain types of lanyards on them. They have got gear that they've made. They've got pockets sewn onto their wetsuits. They know how to use
3: a speedy stitcher. Bolt snaps are wrapped.
0: Bolt snaps are wrapped. And by the way, the, the- No suicide clips, you know. Yeah, no suicide clips. I like the Speedy Stitcher one. That's why I always try to throw it out there first because there's so many things that you can repair on the dive site, safely repair on the dive site using either a Speedy Stitch or using glue. What were some of the projects that you did, Ryan?
3: Uh, one, of the, one of the big ones that I did um, was actually I made my own soft weight set. Um, I ended up buying the me- the, the, the stiff mesh fabric online and ended up buying 50 pounds of shot uh, of number four bird shot at, Cab- physically at Cabela's um, that's designed for shotgun hand loading and was able to measure out a full set of two tens uh two fives two fours two threes and I think half a dozen ones um so I could really cal- dial in regardless of what kind of wetsuit or drysuit suit I'm wearing I've got the ability to calibrate my weight my weights to whatever suit and gear that I'm diving um that one was really fun. I made a, a drying rack, a pony bottle holder. Um, you did the big bags too, right? I did, I think three or four of those. Um, and then I think for my capstone, we're getting capstones we'll later. Get, we'll get the capstone here. What,
0: what, what, what projects were you doing, Sarah?
2: Oh, I've almost lost track of the projects. Um, I know I, I built a drying rack for my open water dive. I remember I, I took it apart and brought it down to wind or brought it down to yeah, sea base right. with us. Yeah. And um, so that was that was because I was living in a second and third floor apartment and needed to dry everything in the shower. <laughs> there was nowhere else to put it. Uh, I've made soft weights uh, again with bird shot Rinch showers. A couple of ridge yeah. showers. showers. Yeah. Um, built one
0: for Neptune out here, then you built one for yep. those portable.
2: Yep, one for the backyard here, which was fun. And then one that's portable. Um, still needs some tweaking for wind, because wind and tarps don't go well together. Right. Um, uh, scuba tank racks, pony bottle folders. Um, actually got to help John glue on a zipper on a dry suit the other day, which was pretty fun
0: very cool very good cool. uh capstone projects what did you do on your capstone
3: uh i actually work side by side with another uh diver who's fairly close to getting his uh badass diver tab uh we found a chunk of concrete um at the bottom of wendover or i'm sorry at the bottom of lucky peak and right now water is about 110 feet below waterline. so there's a pipe that we dive that normally bottoms out at 90 feet and i earlier this summer when I was doing a lot of uh, deeper diving, there's really nothing beyond the bottom of this pipe to uh, to get into deeper water. So Matt found uh, a chunk of concrete and probably, John, you were there, what was that, 80, 90 feet of cable-ish?
1: Yeah, something like that.
3: Um, that we were able to tie off onto the, these legs and then drag into deeper water. Unfortunately, we only got 15 feet of water overhead before we ran out of cable. But with where waterline normally was, that should be in about 100 to 125 feet of water. So I hope to come back later this spring and physically dive in and get an accurate depth on where that is. So now at least people who want to experience a deeper dive rather than just you know bottoming it out at 90 will have a physical um, object on where to stop. And thankfully it's right above your 130 foot recreational limit.
0: Excellent, excellent. John, capstones? Um, It's been
3: a couple of years,
0: so,
1: yeah. (laughs) So I don't uh, recall which one I did for my capstone, Um, although I was um, rather impressed at Ryan's description of putting a block of concrete in 15 feet of water. (laughs) (laughs) What's the deepest
0: dive? We don't talk deepest dives. Uh, So John's actually had probably multiple capstones the other thing is that the, this group has been really good about uh, doing a lot of sweat equity projects and just, you know, things to, to improve Neptune. And John was a, I, I, we probably should have just counted your capstone dive as the patio outback uh, because John pretty much led that effort as, uh, as well as, other, you know, a lot of other projects getting, getting Neptune, just keeping Neptune in really the right direction. Sarah had built a shower outback mm-hmm. uh, and, and
2: changing the room. Yeah, that that started out uh, as a short conversation with you, Rob, on a piece of graph paper saying, yeah, I want one side to be changing, the other side to be shower, and you have this amount of budget, let's go. Yep, and, and just step so, away from it. Yeah, and and I, I thought it was really fun to kind of flex my engineering skills in that Um not well. Actually, not only the engineering skills, but when we when we put it together, I was able to 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 lead a team, to put it together, which was really fun, um, and I got to know both Christina and Jenna,
0: um, who were the ones that came to me and said, "We need a changing room."
2: Exactly. Yeah, and so it was really cool to get to get their input as as we went along and learn about um, their organizations and how they've been wanting to help Neptune and. Um, and there's a bit of their stories, um, right. but it's a. Pr- I, I'm pretty proud of that shower, I'm very
3: proud of it it, it just, came out really well,
0: yeah. And it got used a lot, I think, within two or three days of putting it up before we put the shower in there. Mm-hmm. People are, are using it, and you know, some of our folks that tend to stick with more breathe and not the rest of the Neptune stuff. Hey, you pointed out something on your list over there that, uh, as far as other projects was there anything else that you want to talk about on project wise or nope
2: I don't think so okay I, saw, <laughs> I,
0: you, I, I thought I saw you point towards the changing room so I knew that we were I want to make sure we get the <laughs> changing room out there what okay so what advice would you give for someone who wants to go after this award uh, whether it's motivation or be ready for this or do these things or run away as fast as you can um, what, what advice would you have for
3: them? It's definitely worth it in the end. Why? Like I was saying earlier, it's not something that a lot of divers, I believe in Neptune will go for. And I'm kind of in a weird niche, especially with you, Rob, in that and a lot of people with Neptune may not know this. I'm not a native Neptune diver. Most of all of my stuff I go through um, through Boise Scuba. So for a non-Neptune diver, native diver to receive this award, I think speaks volumes. And I chose to go through this. It's like I had the option when I first signed up with Rescue and Master Diver to go through your curriculum, which I knew in the beginning was a whole lot more strenuous than just, you know, punching the numbers with the NAWI stuff, um, but I knew I wanted it and it was definitely worth it in the long run.
0: That is a definite advantage with NAWI is that we can actually, increase. as long as you know up front, we can actually increase the the, uh, the curriculum.
3: You can add to it, but you can't take it away. Can't
0: take it away. Talking to Jim Larson, he said that this is probably a little closer to what the original master diver had been like years and years ago um, in, in many respects. John, what, what advice would you give for?
1: Um, I would tell them to uh, give yourself lots of time. Uh, spend your time focusing on building the technique and the skills and doing the learning. Um, Don't just try to pass everything off. Uh, Force yourself to do the the hard work of learning and teaching yourself and learning from others. uh, Because that will be what improves your skill. Um, It's fairly consistent. Every time I have new divers come out for a class, they always ask me, how is it that Sarah just doesn't move in the water? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I get to tell
0: them. All right. A little bit of audio interference there. So... Where do we leave off?
1: Oh, so yeah, right before Sarah goes on and tells. (laughs) um, We had a couple of students, uh, teenagers, uh, in the pool with us last week. And by the end of their pool time, I had the the two teenagers able to hover in the middle of the water column and take their BC off, put it back on, while still hovering in the middle of the column. And these are brand new, brand new kids. And uh, just the ability to teach that uh, has grown as you go through this and work with people as a badass diver really pays off in being able to teach those skills to other people as well.
2: Um, Probably the advice that I'd give is don't be intimidated by the list. Um, It's probably supposed to look intimidating, but in reality, it's just continuing what you've been learning throughout your various certifications. Um, I know that the first day that I met Rob, I was at Quinn's Pond with um, John and Vicki and their boys and poor Vicki had an ear infection and so she couldn't dive. And so they said, hey, you should you should uh, take Vicky's scuba, or not her scuba gear, her snorkeling gear and just go out and swim. And I thought, no way. <laughs> no way at all.
0: And now you're doing night navigation for
2: like <laughs> yeah,
0: 500 hours. Yeah. in the same place. Yeah.
2: And so I've I've gone from not wanting to go past my knees in Quinn's Pond to 105 feet in Hoodsport Canal, right. seeing sea whips and and starfish. And I remember at the beginning of my open walk. At the beginning of my open water certification one of the pool dives before that i was witnessing um, what was called full contact scuba yes and it, i was kind of working my way down to the deep end and i was watching brooks get all of her gear stripped off of her one piece after another after another and i sat there and i thought what am i getting myself into <laughs>
0: Now you're a confident diver that can have that uh, stripped off you at any time, have a yard sale down there and you're going to figure out how to put it all back to Yeah,
2: time. yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's taken four years. But you are the
0: fastest one to ramp up, though, from from open water to badass.
2: It does help to have a couple of good mentors. Well, it does. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I'd say all in all, don't look at the list and be intimidated. See it as more of a... Challenge and as a confidence builder.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, hey, since we've already had some audio difficulties, I don't want to push this unit too far. Still trying to learn it. Uh, We'll go ahead. If if there's any any last any last thoughts, comments, questions for me.
3: As far as being intimidated by the list, all you're really doing is building on what you initially learn in advanced open water. It's night and deep night uh, navigation, so you're just doing. You're, you're you're building on it, but you're not doing anything past what you've already learned. You're just doing more of it in different environments. So like like Sarah said, it's it looks intimidating, but it's designed to look that way. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you're just building on the fundamentals that you've already learned.
0: So but and at the same time, you still get opportunities to do things like dry suit and uh, you know, all do, the different specialties. Do some science diet, and all the yeah. different specialties. You know, we've got side mount in there. That's the next thing I'm going to do. One of the things when I designed this was I wanted to set it up as a really a, a hardcore continuing education program. And that, and that even includes, you know, for myself, but you know, you could be doing boat diving, personal watercraft diver, uh, any kind of instructor specialties. I think John's probably, have you written any specialties yet?
1: I don't think I've written a specialty yet, no.
0: So, uh, which is probably just a matter of time. John, John will have a, have a couple specialties out there. Reverse Full lift. Face mask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. First, reverse left. Reverse <laughs> flip uh, belongs to me. He's the co author. Okay, I just want to set that out there. Fair enough. But, you know, just, just different types of opportunities. If you want more information about the Badass Diver, make sure that you check out NeptuneWarrior.org. Make sure you. Make sure you're checking out neptunewarrior.org and rob.com. you can come out to our fire pits you can contact us we would love to see our Neptune Warrior divers more of them actually going for this I think right now we've got nine that are in that are kind of in the aggregate so it'll be you know divers like matt hayes who keeps bringing out double hose regulators and, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff but it's uh which I think we're going to add that as one of the, the specialty electives. So anyway, guys, make sure you check that out. Make sure that you follow the podcast and like us, subscribe to us, tell your friends. And remember, as long as you've got air, you are all right.